This is the Fearless Presentations Podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey, welcome back to the Fearless Presentations podcast, everybody. Hey, we have some really cool kind of things to cover on this particular session. The one of the things we get asked about a lot in designing presentations is how do you add humor? How do you how do you get more funny? You know, how do you, how do you become more funny as a as a speaker? Because there is a lot of value in the entertainment part of the presentation. And we also have a new tech find. We haven't done a tech find in a few weeks, so I wanted to kind of jump back in. In fact, the the tech find that we have this week, I think you're going to absolutely love, especially if you happen to be like me and you're kind of cheap and you want to continue to grow as a public speaker, then, you know, the, this tech find can be really helpful. So let's get started with this week's podcast. Hey, so this week's Tech Find is a it's an app on the iPhone. It's called actually I'm, I may mispronounce it, it's, but I'm calling it Ori. It's O R A I, and you can type it in. It's um it's a speech coach with, uh, on the app, which is really really cool. I, I got to tell you, I've I've seen a number of different types of apps. This is one that's really really well developed and can really help us a lot. Now it's not perfect, but if you if you're uh, if you're wanting to improve public speaking and you want to do something very quick and over a long period of time, this is a great, great app to kind of use. So basically, here's what it is. It's, it, it, I'll give you kind of the background that I found out about this. It's, it was created by these two guys that were from India, and, um, and, and English was either their second or third language. So when they got to the United States, it was very difficult for them to kind of communicate. So they started joining a Toastmasters club. And the neat thing that they liked about Toastmasters was that it was a, a, um, a continued effort to improve their public speaking over, over a long period of time. And so they wanted to do something with an app to really help. And, and that's really what they've created. They've created a, a, an app that you can use by yourself. You don't actually have to go in front of a, a group of people or anything. And it makes it, it where it will give you some some good coaching. So I, I basically downloaded this for the first time this morning and and gave it a, a shot. And my first speech um, was basically just like an elevator pitch that it asked me to do, an elevator speech. And I I did it in you know maybe ninety seconds or so. And I, this is some of the coaching that it gave me. So basically. Here I am, a professional speaker, and I'm getting some coaching here as well, which is kind of cool. Um, it, the very first thing that said was that in the entire 90 seconds, I gave two filler words, which is really good, by the way. It says almost perfect. Nothing a few more practice sessions can fix, which is kind of neat. Uh, and it actually gives some coaching right there. It says take a few seconds and, and pause before you think you are going to drop an um and say something like let's begin to talk about or I also believe, which is pretty good, pretty good coaching. Um, as far as the pace goes, um, it, it told me that my average words per minute were 207, right? And it says that's way too fast. Well, those of you who have listened to my podcast over any period of time kind of know that that's, that's one of the things that, uh, that I do. But just so you guys know, 
speaking quickly is not necessarily a bad thing. Now it can be if you know if um, the people in your audience are uh, diff- have English as their second language and that kind of thing. That that's where I'll really kind of slow down my delivery and that kind of thing. But in reality, if you're speaking fast, it adds a lot of energy and it adds a lot of enthusiasm to your to your presentation. So when you do slow down, it does take away some of that natural energy. Um, just so you know. The um, that the the brain can process as 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 fast as a thousand words a minute, and we speak at about two hundred. So that's one of the reasons. I, in fact, it was kind of funny. I had a, a young lady that was in my my uh, fearless presentations class in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago, and she mentioned that she was listening to my podcast, and she said that you can actually speed up a podcast to make it go like one point five the the normal rate of speech, so it speeds it up, so you can go through podcasts much faster. And I'm and she said, yeah, and I do that with your podcast, Doug. And I was like, you do that with mine? <laughs> my gosh, man, wow. So if you can if you can understand me, if I'm going one point five times as fast, it's it's pretty good. But anyway, um, back to the app though. The app basically says it's too fast. Try to calm yourself down before you start speaking. The aim is to distill your thoughts, not spill them. So so ground yourself and proceed mindfully. Try adding one or two second pauses in between your sentences. This will dramatically improve listeners' comprehension and help you reach your words per minute goal. So that's really, a, a, and again, really good coaching for, for a, a, an app. Um, they've added artificial intelligence into this app to, to kind of make it to where as you speak more often, it kind of learns your patterns and it gives you additional coaching that will help you personally. So, um, And then finally, the last thing that it scored me on was my energy. And it said, brilliant, brilliantly said, Doug. Looks like you'll be hosting a TED Talk in no time. Your energy is the ideal level, which is kind of cool. So anyway, so it's a really good app. Um, like I said, the um, the app is spelled, it's O-R-A-I, and you can find it on the um, uh, the the, uh, the, uh, the uh, iTunes. You can find it on your on your podcast apps uh, on your iPhone, and I'm, ass- I'm assuming it's on Android as well. So really good app. Um, hopefully you get some good value out of that. So, Doug, what's today's hot topic? So the hot topic today is you know, is how to add humor to your presentation. So we, we titled this, so I want to be funny, you know, how to add humor to your speech without being a clown, because that's really one of the most important things is that you want to be able to add humor, add something funny to your presentation, but you still want to be seen as being professional. You still want to be seen as being the expert in the room. Um, you know, quite often when we're designing speeches and presentations for, especially for a professional audience, we really discount the value of entertainment and humor. And in reality, though, a good presentation is both informative and entertaining. You really have to have both of those. Your speech has to be, basically, it's got to give information and it's also got to have some entertainment value. So if you're providing the audience with the information that they didn't already know, then basically you're just wasting their time. And if you aren't providing them some type of entertainment along the way, you're likely to bore the audience. So they're not going to be engaged. They're going to lose interest much more quickly. So adding an appropriate amount of humor to your speech can be very, very valuable and can really keep your audience engaged throughout your presentation. Now, one of the things that we get asked about a lot as public speaking coaches is, should I tell jokes to my audience? And I'll, I'll give you kind of the, a little bit of history about how I kind of come to grips with this myself. Um, when I first started speaking, I had a mentor who, who had been a, a speaker and a speaking coach for, you know, for probably about three decades. 
And she worked for, for the Dale Carnegie organizations, which, which, by the way, Dale Carnegie is a phenomenal public speaking training company. And for some reason, they've kind of distanced themselves from it. They think of themselves as being kind of leadership, but they really are very helpful to people who want to overcome public speaking fear and become better at, at speaking in front of a group. So anyway, so my mentor worked for the Dale Carnegie organization. And and one of the first things that she kind of taught me as I, um, as I, you know, started to, to become more confident speaking is she said that you should never, ever tell a joke in your speech, Doug. And I, and it, it kind of, I, I took what she said because she she never really lied to me. You know, she knew she always told me the truth. So I took what she said, um, as fact. And, uh, but over the years I've kind of changed my tune on that quite a bit. In fact, when I first started teaching public speaking myself, because that's what I had been taught, I was encouraging people to kind of avoid jokes as well. And it took, and it was basically the first, the first, um, person that, that, or the first really um, big client that I had when I started my own company, when I started the Leaders Institute was the Freightliner dealerships in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And the, the, um, the, the general manager of the Fort Worth Freightliner dealership, dealership was a guy named Ron. Ron was hilarious. In fact, he had created a culture around his organization for being the guy who new corny jokes and he basically told these corny jokes over and over and over again i'm sorry it wasn't that bad basically he had a he had a corny joke for everything he was basically an encyclopedia of kind of corny jokes and so he basically would just start every meeting with a corny joke and get and people would both you know kind of laugh and then they'd also kind of cringe a little bit because they are they were most of them were pretty corny but they were always you know um clean jokes you know they were always something that was um you know kind of sedate so it didn't offend, they never offended anybody and it became part of what he did and i kind of saw him master that he created that that culture of of having fun around the office just by him kind of doing that. So it was, it was a purposeful kind of thing. Now, just so you know, I don't really encourage people to, to do that. I mean, it really worked for Ron and he was, he was kind of a master at it, but I think, um, situations like that is probably what caused that, that coach that I had to go to the extreme and say, um, you know, never, ever tell a joke because there are, there are a lot of different negative things that can occur with kind of telling a joke. Number one is that, jokes require timing. <laughs> you have to be able to deliver them very well. So if you if you if you don't practice the joke enough, if you don't really work on your time, if you don't pause at the right time, then they can they can kind of backfire on you a little bit. And so my guess is that this coach that I had had probably seen people attempt to put a joke into their presentation and then have it bomb so often that she finally kind of went to the extreme and said, "Yeah, just don't don't ever do it." Um, now the other, other thing that could have happened that would cause, um, you know, somebody to kind of go to that, that extreme is that, you know, perhaps, um, you know, that somebody was telling the off color joke, you know, so, uh, it's, and, and it was offensive to audiences. And so as a result, you know, they go to that extreme of saying, yeah, no jokes ever again, that kind of thing, just to kind of make it to where his or her classes are, are, um, you know, kind of G rated, that kind of thing. Uh, or perhaps, you know, maybe sometimes it's just to that, that that public speaking coaches will dissuade people from telling jokes um, just because that 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 timing that we talked about before is just really hard to teach. And so it's one of those things that you kind of really have to practice and work on. However, you know, one of the things that I kind of figured out, even when when I was working with this public speaking coach very early on in my career, one of the things that that she told me was that, hey, you know, never tell a joke, but 
a funny anecdote or a funny story is fine. Also, and that's what kind of really didn't set right with me as I, and as, especially as I became a speaking coach myself and as I started training people for years and years and now the better part of three decades myself, kind of coaching people in public speaking, I, I, I kind of realized that a joke is basically just a story. In fact, if you go and you look up you know, dictionary.com on the web and you type in the word joke, it basically the definition is a thing that someone says to cause amusement or laughter, especially a story with a funny punchline. So it's one of those things that, that um, I, I, I think that a lot of times when public speaking coaches are telling you to not tell jokes, I think they're trying to keep you from doing that off-color stuff and that kind of thing. But you know, a, a funny story is a joke. A, a funny anecdote is a, is a joke. And in fact, if you look at just about any paid motivational speaker, there's a good chance that he or she is going to use at least one and usually probably about a half dozen or more jokes in their presentation somewhere because that humor is important when you're trying to get get points across to your audience. So, and in fact, that's the first thing we really want to focus on in this particular um, podcast is that when you're using humor, you want to make your point with humor. And that's one of the, that's one of the key things. Um, The, um, when you're like, for instance, So one of the most important things that that you want to keep in mind when you're when you're designing your presentations is that a good way to insert humor is to actually make your point with humor. So unlike Ron, who I talked about before, who was kind of using the the joke as the intro and kind of using that as a way to kind of get people laughing before he said anything. Humor actually works better if you use it as a way to reinforce the points that you're making your pre- in your presentation. So, like for any, if you haven't, by the way, if you haven't listened to podcast three, it's called How to Design Presentations Quickly. That gives you some really good tips on how to how to kind of create your bullet points, how to create the the main content of your presentation. And once you have though that specific content, you can actually find ways to insert humor as a way to reinforce that content. So here, these are a few things that I've kind of used in the past that you might get some value out of it. Um, the, the first thing that I tend to do is that once I come up with that good bullet point, I'll kind of read that bullet point to myself and I'll, I'll kind of say, okay, have I, have I ever had an experience on this subject where I really screwed it up? Um, and that's, that's one of the fastest, easiest ways to add humor to your presentation is to kind of insert some type of self-deprecating humor. So if you're giving a, a, a bullet point or a main content point in your presentation, if you've ever violated that point yourself and it backfired on you, then tell that story. Use that as an example because that's a great way to add humor and it's easy because all you have to really do is just play the video in your head of what happened in that incident and and uh, and usually you'll you'll get a few laughs. If you really want to to um, to uh, to make sure that you get a big laugh, then kind of exaggerate the um, the example that you're using. So, in fact, here let me give you an example.
when I get new instructors working for the Leaders Institute, I always kind of give them an orientation where I kind of teach them a little bit about, you know, some of the nuts and bolts of how to to do our forms and make sure they get paid properly and that kind of thing. And one of the most important parts for an instructor, because we're traveling all over the place, is to make sure that we do our travel properly because that's you know, if we're, if we're charging travel to a client, we want to make sure we're getting the client the absolute best value. And so some of the tips that we give them are, you know, you want to, you want to make your, your flight and hotel reservations a couple weeks in advance and different things like that to make it to where it's most cost effective for our clients when we're charging travel on their, on their account. So, um, so when I, to reinforce that, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I'll tell a quick story about how I really screwed that up sometime. And by the way, I've got dozens of different situations where because I've forgotten I've I've kind of screwed something up. Um, one that happened recently though was that we have a, a an instructor that was training with me uh, from Portland and she and I were going to be traveling into Los Angeles to teach a public speaking class together. And so I and when when I when I found out that that the two of us were going to be teaching the class together, I sent her an email real quick just saying, hey, by the way, make sure I make your flight arrangements uh, right away so that you get the best value. And I, and I said, I'll, I'll go ahead and make the hotel reservations for us because, you know, I'm, I'm like a high level kind of traveler. So I, so I get all the bonuses and stuff like that. So if I make the hotel reservations, then, you know, we get all the, 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 you know, concierge lounges and all that kind of stuff, which is really cool. I mean, that's a nice little bonus to have. So, um, and then because I'm also at that high level, I'm not like a diamond level on, on Hilton. I, I didn't actually make the hotel reservation right away because being a diamond, I can actually make a hotel reservation within 24 hours of leaving to go to a place and still get a hotel room. So I was, it's not as critical as it is to get the flight early. Um, and so I, I told her that I would make the hotel reservations and then promptly forgot, right? And, and of course, like two or three days before we're going to fly out, she sends me an email saying, hey, can you send me the, confirm, the confirmation number for the, for the room that we have in L.A.? And I was like, and I'm looking it up. I'm like, oh, my gosh, crap, I forgot to do that. So I'm hustling. I'm on my app, on my Hilton app, trying to make the hotel reservation. And the hotel that we typically stay at when we're teaching for the, the class in Los Angeles is like right across the street. It's a, it's a, it's a nice Hilton, uh, and it's in the downtown area. It's right across the street. So basically, we can fly into the, the um, L.A., LAX or actually any of the airports there in LA, take a cab or an Uber to the hotel and never have to leave. Basically, we can do everything right there. And that's really the most convenient. Well, I get on the Hilton app and I do like I normally do. And I start um, uh, to, to book my hotel. And just like I, I knew I could do, I, even though it was only a couple days away, I was able to get a hotel room. And then it, and then I tried to make the second reservation, though. And one of the things about being a high-level kind of person is that they'll give you one room but they're not going to give you a second room if the if the hotel is sold out. So I had to actually cancel the first room that I had just booked minutes ago and then look for a different hotel that was somewhere fairly close. And I, and I was able to find one, by the way. I was able to find a hotel that was maybe three-quarters of a mile away. And so it wasn't really that bad. It was still within walking distance, but that's a pretty good pretty good jaunt. Three-quarters of a, of a mile is a pretty good jaunt when you're in a business suit and you have bags that you're dragging behind you and stuff like that. So anyway, so so Stephanie and I get into the uh, to uh, LAX. We take our cab to the hotel. We get two rooms at this hotel that's about three quarters of a mile away. We decide to get up fairly early the next morning so that we can kind of make the jaunt. And downtown Los Angeles is really really hilly. So basically, I'm dragging my two bags, you know, with my projector and everything up and down these these big hills. Stephanie's got got um, got high heels on, so she's not very comfortable. And we got I think we made it about halfway before we finally broke down and got an Uber to 
to take us the rest of the way in and you know I had to give the guy a big tip because it was only you know you know quarter of a mile or something like that or three quarters or whatever it was it a very short period of uh, very short distance anyway so we had to give the guy a really big tip and everything um, when it was all said and done we did that like three or four times over that over that couple of days and it added the the just the value of the the hotel it cost me about I'd say maybe. 75 maybe $100 more per night for the for the hotel for two hotel rooms so basically we're looking at about a $400 swing because I didn't make the hotel reservation soon enough and with all the extra travel or the the ground transportation with Uber and cabs and stuff like that I bet I spent another 120 bucks over that 4 days just going back and forth that less than 3 quarters of a mile so basically you know, you can learn a lot by 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 making your um, your hotel reservations and your travel arrangements early. You'll be able to save quite a bit of money. So, that, the neat thing about that is that you can, when you're poking fun at yourself about how you screwed something up, it, it adds a little bit of levity. It adds, a, it makes the the presentation lighter. It adds, a, and you don't necessarily have to have people laughing. You know, it doesn't have to be a a you know a belly laugh or anything like that. But kind of a humorous story where people can agree that you're an idiot it really makes it to where it it's. More more fun for the audience to to um, to kind of listen to you. So add those self-deprecating humor type stories in there. Um, another tip that you can do that can help you add humor to any one of these bullet points is you basically all you really have to do is Google the word joke followed by whatever the idea is that you're covering in your story. You know, so basically you type it like for instance, um, let's say like one of the bullet points that I've, I made recently in a, in a presentation was that you want your training to be a good return on investment. And the best way to do that is to plan it out, have a good goal, you know, make sure that you are, um, that you're measuring the results of the training. If you're doing, if you're doing those things, you're going to, you'll, you'll ensure that you get a much higher return on investment. So if I'm making that bullet point, to my audience, um, then all I have to really do is just type in the word joke and return on investment into Google and you'll get some funny stuff. So basically I did this right before I started the podcast, I did this just to kind of see what it would come up with. And these were the things that I came that, that I found just, like I said, that showed up first page of Google. One of the funny uh, jokes or whatever was, uh, it it says, do you know how to make a million dollars in the stock market? The answer is start with 2 million, right? So, which is kind of humorous, right? So it's a little one-liner, which is kind of funny, and it's easy to deliver, so you don't have to remember a whole lot. So that, that works really well. Another one that came up was uh, a quick little story. It says, mother had decided to trim her household budget wherever possible. So instead of having a dress dry cleaned, she washed it by hand. And of course, proud of her savings, she boasted to my father, just think, Fred, we are, we are $5 richer now because I washed this dress by hand. Good, my dad said quickly, wash it again. <laughs> so basically, you can you can tell these kind of little funny anecdotes or kind of humor stories. Uh, another one is uh, a long-term investment is a short-term investment that failed. You know, So basically, those little quick kind of um, wits of wisdom and those kind of things can kind of work. Out. And, and basically, you can take any one of those. And just with a little bit of creativity, you can tie that into the point that we're making. So, like for instance, in the in the example I was mentioning before, I could start with my explanation with the with the phrase, you know, a lot of people see investing in or attending a training session like playing the stock market. You know, if you don't have a clear goal for the training, if you don't have a clear plan to achieve that goal, or and if you don't have a way to measure your progress, you're gonna kinda lose money. By the way, you know a foolproof way to make a million bucks in the stock market? 
start with two million. <laughs> so and so so basically, unless you're setting a goal, making a plan, and measuring your training results, you're going to have a similar result in your training program as what most people have in the stock market. So basically, I can kind of use that as a comparison, just a, a quick little way to add some humor. And like I said, each one of these things in the in and of themselves don't have to be kind of belly laughs or belly rolls. They just have to make it to where people are kind of kind of grinning a little bit and, and nodding at you up and down, so that they're you can tell that they're enjoying the the uh, presentation that you're doing. Um, one of the one of the um, more creative ways to add humor into your presentation for bullet points, anyway, is to use like a funny analogy. So analogies, if you, if you remember back from from literature class when you're in junior high school or high school, a, analogy is just a comparison of something that people are really familiar with with something that people are unfamiliar with. So basically, if you're trying to make a bullet point, you can you can analogize that that piece of content that you're trying to get across to the audience with something that they, they know really, really well. Um, a funny one happened in class just a, um, about a week and a half ago. I was teaching a class in Philadelphia, and there was a young lady that was in the class who worked for a, she was a computer technician, and she worked for a, an, um, an electric company in, in the Philadelphia area. So basically what they do is they go out and sell electricity to companies. That's basically what they their their main goal is to find companies that use a lot of electricity and they can save them some money. So their ideal client is a high electricity use type of, of company. Um, so she made the analogy how um, this new computer software, the CRM that they're using, scores the clients or potential clients that are in their database so that the sales reps are calling on just the people that are a good match to the services that they provide. And she she compared it to um, you know, the, she, she basically said that a good match would be like, you know, in, in the real world would be like peanut butter and jelly. You know, the people, most people think of peanut butter and jelly as something that really goes together. Whereas a bad match might be ketchup and salad, <laughs> you know, so I mean, ketchup and salad don't really go together. And so by making that weird kind of, um, kind of comparison, she, she, um, she would then talk about different potential clients that her sales reps would use. You know, like for instance, if we're, if it's a small manufacturing plant, um, that doesn't have access to you know some of the bigger um, electric companies, then they're going to use a lot of electricity. We can save them money. So that's a good peanut butter and jelly comparison right there. That's a good peanut butter and jelly client is kind of what she said. she said. Whereas, for instance, if it's a small retail operation, maybe a, a, in a, a strip mall or something like that, they're not going to use a lot of electricity. So the savings that we would give them would be kind of negligible. So that would be more like a a, a lettuce and ketchup kind of uh, client for us. And so... And, it sounds weird, but when you see it in a delivery, when the, when the timing is is really down, every time she the way that she kind of made this funny was that she kept using that same comparison, this this absurd comparison, salad and ketchup, which is really absurd. She used that over and over again, and every time she did, she got a little bit louder laugh, right? So the first time people kind of snickered, and then the second time it got a little louder, and then the third time, it, it, you know, people were, were kind of really into it. So it's, it, and, you know, a lot of it, this type of humor really has something to do with your delivery, and you really want to practice this stuff before you actually do it in front of a group, but you can it, you can pull it off really well if you, if you kind of practice it a little bit. So now the final thing, uh, in addition to, you know, kind of making your bullet points that you're covering humorous, one of the other ways that, that you can add some humor is with a colloquialism. Colloquialism. That's easy for me to say. Colloquialism. The basically that's like if you if you remember back to um, to uh, uh, Mark Twain, you know Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer, that kind of thing. That's where uh, a lot of these. Are, that's where we kind of learn about these in 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 uh, junior high school and high school that kind of thing. 
But being from Texas, this is one of my favorite ways to kind of insert humor, especially when I'm doing keynote speeches. Keynote speeches, you have to insert that humor in a way to where you get a really good, solid laugh very quickly and you can make your point. And, and sometimes these kind of things can, can work really well. Um, a good example of people that use this technique effectively or a person that uses this technique effectively anyway is Dr. Phil. You know, the guy from the Oprah Winfrey show and he created his own TV show, Dr. Phil. You know, so this is a, a he's a psychologist, but he's from Texas and he uses these Texas colloquialisms just very, very effectively. These, these funny kind of Texas sayings, you know, to where it, the the best ones are the ones that after the person says them, there's kind of a pause before it kind of clicks. And then when it clicks, it's really funny. And those are the ones that kind of work. And by the way, these are easy to find. You can pretty much just type into Google, just like we did with a joke, just type in whatever state or region that you're in. And then the word colloquialism, which is kind of hard to spell, but Google will help you out with that too. If you type that into Google, you'll, you'll kind of get a list. So I did it just for Texas, just for the, for the purposes of the podcast here. And I typed in Texas colloquialism, and and I got a list of Texas sayings. And the fav- my favorite one that popped up, now so most of them weren't that appropriate. They weren't things that I would be able to use a lot in my presentations. However, one of them that came up at the top that was kind of funny was was the, the colloquialism where it says, he's all hat and no cattle, right? So he's all hat and no cattle, which is something that you can kind of insert into a presentation. If you're, if, if I'm, if I'm teaching somebody uh, a, 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 a bullet point, or if I'm covering something to where um, something is exaggerated or something is um, not true, you know, basically we, or, Something like that. I could use that as a funny way to kind of insert some humor into that particular part. Uh, so I tried it again, by the way, after I, after I did the Texas colloquialisms, I, I got one. I just typed in the word Southern because that usually works pretty well. And the Southern ones are always pretty funny, too. Um, but the one that came up that well, there's a couple of them that came up that were pretty funny. Um, one of them was that's a hard dog to keep on the porch. <laughs> so so basically it's, it's, it's kind of like you could use that anywhere. You can say he let the cat out of the bag or something like that. You can kind of replace that with that's a hard dog to keep on the porch. Um, and then another one that was kind of funny is, man, he's happier than a tick on a fat dog. You know, so basically you could kind of insert these things. These take a lot more practice than the ones that you're doing for your bullet points because they they have a propensity to backfire. So you want to be really careful about using these things. But if it happens to be, you know, if you happen to be from the South, especially if you happen to be from Texas or, you know, I'm sure if you did the same thing with Boston, you know, that, you know, the, the thick Boston accent or the New York, you know, the New York accent, that kind of thing. If you have one of those as part of your delivery style, if you have a natural accent from where you grew up, then you can actually use these as a way to kind of add some humor to your to your presentation and and make it a little bit fun. Now the key thing to keep in mind about adding humor to your presentation is you want to make your your presentations fun. You want to make it kind of entertaining for your audience. If if we're just giving them data, if we're just giving them information and we're not making entertainment entertaining for the audience, then they're really going to tune out. And so it's the humor is a good way to kind of Get people back into your presentation, even if it's only for a short period of time. So use humor in your presentations very effectively, and you're going to make your audience really, really love you. Uh, just so you know, this presentation, this podcast is brought to you by the Two Day Fearless Presentations classes. If you happen to uh, be, in one of, be in one of the cities where we're teaching a class, and, and we teach these classes in about 40 different cities around the world, or pretty much every major city in the, in the United States, 
and also in Canada. We also do uh, quite a few of these in, in Europe. It's real easy. All you have to do is just go to fearlesspresentations.com and actually uh, on any page on the Fearless Presentation site, you'll see a list of in the in the uh, margin on the off the side, the sidebar, you'll see a list of the next, I think it's like eight to 10 classes that we're going to do, th- that we're going to be doing in order. And if, if none of those work for you, click on the class schedule and it'll give you a list of every class that we're doing up until the end of next year. So we always schedule these about a year out. So it'll be really easy to kind of find one of these presentation classes that you can you can sit in on. And these work really, really well, by the way. So if you if you haven't yet attended one of our two-day public speaking classes, I would encourage you to do so because it's a great way to take some of the stuff that we're covering in the podcast and make it really applicable to the type of presentation that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And it makes it a whole lot easier for you. So we look forward to having you on the next Fearless Presentations podcast. And we also look forward to having you in the next two-day Fearless Presentations class. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.